You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanpodcastnetwork.com for a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also like to dip into other nerdy topics that we all love to frolic about in our free time. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 52, Batman and Robin, Batman Reborn. Joining me on this episode... For the very first time on the Batman Book Club, he is the third head of the beast known as Vigilante 1939 podcast. It is Nick Zednik, the Zeddy. Sir, welcome to the show. Ryan, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. As somebody that's been listening to your show like since its infant stage, I'm very excited to be here, truly. Uh, happy to have you on. I remember you very early on because um, somebody was a massive Garrett Greb fan. And I uh, kept getting that some emails me. and some, some responses and tweets to uh, Garrett Grav, his number one fan. And then we learned your name fast and uh, followed your show. And uh, I, I let the other two heads of the beast uh, speak in the last episode. But in case somebody hasn't heard that, heard that episode yet, uh, why don't you quickly just tell us about Vigilante 1939 podcast? Yeah, so Vigilante 1939 uh, is a kind of DC-leaning podcast. Sometimes we'll talk a little bit of Marvel, but uh, it's a podcast that I just that I co-host with a childhood friend of mine, and then his uh, his father, who's just had a really like probably my biggest influence just on like the DC universe as a whole and just these characters as a whole. So we keep it we keep it very lean. We like to keep it very positive over there, and obviously anything Batman related, you know, we're mm-hmm. we're all game for. So <laughs> yeah. And the three of you quickly shot onto my radar because uh, we were all in the Chicagoland area. Best sports city in the world. <laughs> That's right. We all, all four of us. And our love, pizza. Lo- love the Chicago Cubs. All four of us. <laughs> we love the Cubs. They're our favorite. Maybe. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah, Nico hates the Cubs. That's what it is. Nico hates the Cubs. Oh, oh man. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> uh, he's gonna we're listening to you, Nico. Uh, yeah. So before we dive into the book of choice today, since this is your first time on the episode, it's still fun, even 52 episodes in, to get somebody on for the very first time to hear a new perspective of what is your favorite Batman story. Hmm. Wow, that is a very, very puzzling question, Ryan. Seems that that seems to interchange every day but you know i'm a i'm a very core person meaning that like uh probably my favorite story kind of really rotates between like year one or long halloween but seeing is uh i can't lie ryan that i predicted a a book called dark victory (laughs) to win the batman book club bracket challenge i would uh I'm going to have to go with Batman Dark Victory as my favorite Batman story. That's your favorite. Very nice. The sequel to The Long Halloween. And yep. 
what makes the dark dark victory at least today because as batman fans we all know and especially in our episode 50 where we counted down our favorite batman stories um things change every day every week of our favorite stories in the medium so what is it about dark victory that uh that hops to the front for you Mm -hmm. yeah so ryan i'm a big batman and robin guy just like in general like batman and robin is just my jam so I just really love that it really is like it serves as many things. It's like a Robin origin story. And I just really love the way that they incorporate like Batman and Robin in there. I just I love all the elements like of that story. And the fact that it is a sequel to The Long Halloween, which is a book that many people say like maybe didn't even need a sequel or it was just impossible to follow it up. I just love the story for what it is and just what it tries to do. But I mean, you can't go along with just the way that they tell Robin in that book. I just think that it's incredible. Yeah, totally agree with the long Halloween being my uh, favorite story. Hot take. First time I've ever said it on the show. Of nice. course, it more, more of that is a definite uh, yes for me. And as probably all of you, most of you heard, it definitely made my top 10 list of favorite Batman stories of all time. I love that one. So good choice. Good choice. And it's funny that you also say that you are a massive Batman and Robin fan. What a coincidence. Because today's story that we're covering is Batman and Robin, Batman Reborn. Uh, The first three issues of that Batman and Robin title, written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by Frank Quitely. They were released from... I'm sorry, from June 2009 through August 2009. There we go. Uh, released in single issue format. It was then released in a, in a hardcover volume, then in also a trade paperback, then in also in an absolute edition, recently in an omnibus volume two, Grant Morrison's Batman omnibus volume two. It's available digitally, and it's all on the DC Universe Infinite app. Ugh, these issues are available everywhere. There's no shortage. Mm-hmm. Which version, Mr. Zednik, did you uh, read for this episode? So originally, and I didn't read this for this show, but I originally read Batman Reborn on DC Universe just to okay. kind of get like a feel of the story. Uh, somebody at the uh, Network Let's Go podcast uh, suggested that I should check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then really what I read for this is actually the Absolute Edition, which... Uh, I think is actually really cool just because I think the cover of having Dick Grayson's Batman on one end and then having Damian Wayne on the other end, I just, I really dig the absolute edition and it's actually the only absolute edition I own Lauer, believe it or not. Wow. 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 Yeah. I had bought the issues when they first came out. I bought the hard covers when they came out. And then of course it was announced of the absolute edition and I bought the absolute edition too. Uh, I couldn't help myself because it is a great, it's a great book. Uh, the, like you just had mentioned for the, for the slipcase cover, for the, the cover itself on the book and like the interior art and stuff. And it includes all of the extras that were in the hardcover volume. So it's, it's a great buy, which now I believe is out of print. So I think it's pretty mm. expensive if you want to try and, if you want to try and uh, buy this absolute book. If that's your only one, that's a good choice. So that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Can't go wrong. I mean, I'm also somebody that, like, I don't really have too many uh-huh. of, like, the main comics per se. Ryan, I think you probably know this as in seeing as you've given me tons of excellent just <laughs> recommendations on Batman books. Because 
I'll, I was going to get in this a little later, but I'm somebody that I have a like a lot of just like paperbacks of lesser known stories. So like uh-huh. really as of late, I mean, especially following your show, Ryan, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on your show. Uh, really oh, following, shit. yeah, really following your show has just really made me like want to dive into like some of these stories that as a Batman fan, I probably should read uh, and just am curious to check out. So Batman Reborn was just one that I was curious off the top because, you know, it does have one of my favorite DC characters of all time. And then obviously a character that I'm not too hot on, but I actually love the way that he's written in this book. So, well, I'm thrilled that the Batman book club is doing its job and helping you spend your money on Batman comics. Um, Whether that's an unhealthy amount of spending line, I'll I'll save that for later. It's healthy. There's no such thing as unhealthy (laughs) spending when it comes to Batman comics. True. uh, With so many stories available, to you to pick from what was it about this this story here like what was it that made you want to choose this one because also you're selecting so in the collected hardcover trade paperback and such uh this was the issues one through six were included in those and you Mm -hmm. went half of that and you went for the first arc of the three issues of this title so what was it about that that stuck out that you said this is what i want to talk about Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like right off the bat i mean grant morris and frank quietly i mean those are two gentlemen that actually wrote my favorite superman story of all time which is all-star superman so already like my attention like my eyebrows were raised but really what brought my attention on this story was the fact that dick grayson is batman because Mm -hmm. i was right i know you know this i know tons of people know this i was raised at an early age to uh, come to respect that I can see somebody other than Bruce Wayne in the cowl, seeing as Terry McGinnis is my favorite Batman. Um, I'm going to stand on that hill, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> I just love the way they portray Dick Grayson in his book and the way that he's kind of there for Damien in a way that Bruce hasn't been. Because um, really, we all know uh, that Dick Grayson never wanted to be Batman. He doesn't want anything to do with that cowl so when he has to be batman it's always always for a specific reason and you know that when he does have to be batman it's legit like it's not him taking over the role it's that he has to be batman because he just has to be batman and i do love what he represents you know he's a more lean batman you know he's got a little more hip to him he's a little more positive he does things a little differently he he i know for one later on in the book he actually doesn't address commissioner gordon as jim he calls him Commissioner Gordon. So just like that level of respect and kind of just stature that he brings to Batman, I just really, really like. Well said. Yeah, I I want Bruce Wayne as Batman, period, mm-hmm. no matter what. I'm not really, to me anymore, somebody else behind the cowl. It just seems like a gimmick. Uh, I can't necessarily get invested in the story. But... <laughs> If somebody else has to be under the cowl, I prefer that it did Grayson. And this run of Grayson as Batman is superb. Now, to catch us up on what's been happening, unintentionally, really is, unintentionally, the Batman Book Club has been going through Grant Morrison's run. Mm-hmm. Way back a year ago, uh, Rob Myers was on and kicked it all off with Batman and son. Justin Kowalski has been on to talk about the club of heroes. Javi has been on to talk about Batman RIP and those events basically minus, you know, a couple issues. They have, they get into 
what has happened in this grand epic that Morrison was building on, in which where we last left off Batman R.I.P., Batman was in the Batman pages, Batman, it seemed like he went down in a helicopter with Dr. Hurt and nobody found him afterward. And in the Final Crisis story, he was Omega sanctioned. So mm-hmm. Batman and Bruce Wayne, they were gone. There's a three issue battle for the cowl where somebody had to fight it out to become the next Batman and Dick Grayson won. And this series was announced. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so that's where we're at. And this is like from the start of this series, this is like only half of the story. Yeah. Uh, but when was the first time that you read this then? So I read this a, Oh God, maybe last summer. Um, uh-huh. So I had, yeah, I haven't done a whole lot of Lee Leeds, but it is, like I said, I do love kind of Dick Grayson as Batman. I, I read through Black Mirror and I was like, okay, what other stories is Dick Grayson in as Batman other than like Battle for the Cow and stuff like that? So the fact that he's like the center of attention in this book, I, I like, you had my attention. And like, obviously, I can care less about that little brat himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of, maybe like 90% of the time. But you know, that other 10%, Ryan, when somebody else fights him, there's always. There's always a, su- a certain few characters that when another writer can tackle them, mm-hmm. they're a lot better. Like you just, you can tell like them. It's almost, it's almost crazy how like one character, the way that somebody writes them, you just, you can't stand them. And then like when somebody else tackles them, you're like, well, why didn't we get this character from the start? I mean, it's almost like uh, CW Superman and Lois in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. not to kind of bring Superman into the fold, but I mean, it's like, I was somebody that like, I couldn't care less that Hecklin was continuing on as Superman based off of what I saw. And then somebody else wrote him and I'm like, give that guy like multiple seasons mm-hmm. of Superman. So in this issue, I'm like, give me more Damien for, for now. I mean, at least with Grant Morrison. <laughs> oh, Grant Morrison. So if you listen to the Batman RIP episode uh, where Javi was on to talk about it, it was a very, that's possibly the most stressful episode of the Batman book club <laughs> I've ever been on because Javi loves RIP RIP is a frustrating read to me, sometimes less frustrating than others, making things really connect and give me some sort of satisfaction are it's a, it's a roller coaster. I am. So I first read this as they were available when they first came out in 2009 and I'd been reading Morrison's run entirely up to that point. And I just felt like the story's kind of, it's incomplete because we Mm. were, I don't think it was announced yet, but this series was announced. Um, the events of Final Crisis were had ended, and I just felt like I need to keep I need to keep going. I can't stop now because it was comic books. You can't stop buying comic books. You got to keep the yeah. run going. And this was a new series, so I jumped in with it, but I was hesitant too because I'm like, okay, so Grant Morrison's confused me up to this point. Uh, this series has somebody else dressed as Batman. And this series is called Batman and Robin. And Robin is Damien, the little shitbag that I cannot stand up to this point. Can't stand him. I, I did not like Damien at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I felt like I needed to continue reading, reading this book. And I think that's where I want to start. Is kind of what you just started alluding to also is the focal point. And let's just stick with this arc. Uh, the, the relationship between Dick and Damien. Mm. And it's funny that Morrison has been the one up to this point in the comics. Morrison created the character of Damien. He's written him up to this point. 
and how he writes him in Batman and Robin is it, to me just very different. I yeah. like Damien in this story, and I think it's because it is the the pairing up with Dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I really just love the way how Grayson just tests Damien like throughout this uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Like he really wants him to like like pay attention to detail, like. If you do this in the in the line of duty, like you can get hurt, you can get killed. Whereas, like, I love that it's like I said, like he, like Grayson might be a more lean Batman, but for all intents and purposes, he's very like right to the point. You know, like he doesn't want any casualties. He doesn't want anything to happen to Damien. He's very like, well, I'm Batman, so this is how we're doing things. Like I'm not Bruce. So, and I love that multiple times. Like he says that multiple times. Like I'm not Bruce. I don't want to be Bruce. Like. I never want anything to do with this cowl. So why I love Damien is because like, there's a few scenes even with like Alfred where it's like, well, Damien has the will and courage like his father, the determination, like his father. I just think that you're better suited for him. Like, you know, obviously this is like what Alfred's telling Grayson, which are just some of my favorite panels just in the book in general, because I love that. It also not to kind of go on a little side tangent, but like, I love, just how Alfred is just pushing Grayson to be kind of like this maternal father figure for Damien because he knows that obviously Nightwing is one of the most hopeful best DC characters of all time and when you don't like somebody what do you do you put him with Grayson Mm. so I don't think it's a major coincidence that we tend to like Damien in this book because he's obviously paired with one of the greatest most hopeful characters in the DC universe and kind of like what he brings out of Damien, I just, I really love it. It's almost like he really makes him Robin, right? So that's what, that's what I really enjoy, Ryan. I hope I answer that. <laughs> yes, you did. And I, I like because Dick is, and it's even addressed in here too at, at one point in, in the second issue, I think. Dick is a, you know, he's kind of a mentor, but also like a big brother. That's the role that he's playing here. And you can just yeah. tell in reading it and how the story evolves and such that Dick is not Bruce. Mm-hmm. So this is a different relationship uh, than what we'd seen prior. And I love like how Morrison just like definitely zones in on that. And it's about, you know what? Dick is new in this position. Damien is new in this position the ultimate goal is like, we have to stop the bad guys. We need to figure out how to, how to work together. And almost like the, the through line in that second issue is Dick telling Alfred all about this and how, you know, even what he'd said, and I forget what the quote was exactly, but how he's just like, I sound like such a, like a fake, like a fake Batman trying to yell instructions uh, to Damien. And he's just Mm -hmm. how he just knows I can't, I can't be Bruce. I have to be my own Batman, which is what Alfred even says too. Of like, you need to make this. It's a performance. Uh, this is this is your version. You need to do this. How I you love do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm. I don't know if maybe you're like you're going to agree with this or not, but I also love that it also. And I'm sure Grant Morrison meant to do this on purpose, but it really hammers home this idea that Damien actually cares about being Robin. Yeah, because in every iteration that we've seen, it's always like. Damien's always going up against his father. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be Robin. He's just Robin because his mother shipped him off to Batman and Batman forced him to kind of be into this role and just hope that Damien will, will grow into like a version of a hero that he'll be proud of. So I really love that Damien throughout this whole book is hammering, this, hammering home this idea of 
Batman and Robin never die. Batman and Robin forever. And mm-hmm. especially like in the later issues, like if you can go that far, which I do recommend is as crazy as it is. I, I think that it's beautiful that the more you read about him, the more he's like, so what happens to Batman and Robin? Like, what about Batman and Robin? And I genuinely believe it, believe that it is his time with Grayson that has mm-hmm. kind of given him that 180. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate how Morrison tones him down too. Yeah. Because Damien definitely came out the gate like he was a lot to handle from like his from his first pages. And I think that that to me, because I guess I'm getting, you know, I'm getting old. So I'm just kind of like, no, don't tell me I need to like this. Part. Like yeah. ease his way into me liking it. Just like Dick Grayson eased his way into uh, right, ease my way into liking Dick Grayson under the cowl, both mm-hmm. in because of Scott Snyder's Black Mirror run, but then also with Batman and Robin. And I think just like a, a fun little note of towards the end of this third issue, it is kind of like the, okay, they are Batman and Robin now. Mm-hmm. As, they, as they break through that skylight answering... Um, answering the bat signal and it's also fun because that directly ties into that's the point where you're like oh this is the end of batman rip <laughs> um i just think that that's that's cool and it also definitely symbolic of like okay here's the dynamic duo here's the new version of the dynamic duo and at that point it's totally it totally worked for me mm-hmm. yeah it, it totally represents like what gotham city is just like in that current time too like it's it's a new dynamic duo. It's a new Gotham city. Like it, it, it really, it really represents like, so what happens if there is no Batman? Like what happens if Bruce Wayne can be there? Like who's going to take the place? And I love that throughout the book. Like, you know, you can see like Gotham city changes like a lot, like and it, it brings these really like outlandish, really like weird villains come out. And then it's like, who's going to step up. And I love that it's Grayson. And I love that it's Jamie because in the story, it, like they're who like they're the only ones that's left. So like it has to be them, essentially. So So yeah. you just said there it's a new Gotham. Uh the villains come out. So let's talk about that. It's a new <laughs> Gotham with new villains. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the the pig in the room, Professor Pig. <laughs> this yeah. guy. I still don't know if I I don't necessarily I don't get excited at the mention of Professor Pig. I just kind of don't. He's definitely out there. Uh, Morrison he used a bunch of like literary references to to create pig. So I know he's um, Pygmalion. I think is a is a huge. Uh, in oh, man, what was I gonna say? Um, influence. Mm-hmm. The story of Pygmalion is an influence by that. But I just kind of I don't understand what the hell he's talking about when he speaks. I, I'm mm-hmm. like, call me call me dumb. Anybody listening is just like, oh yeah, obviously Ryan. But it's just kind of clues to me. And I'm like, man, this guy's just weird. And to me, mm-hmm. is to just be weird. However, what does make up for it is the creepy ass shit that he's doing in yeah. these pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm sure you'll agree. I mean, Professor Pig. I mean, he's like as weird as it gets. Like he like he's not really somebody that like I'm counting on ever seeing like in a live action Batman no. movie or something. But I mean, like. Put him in a video game absolutely like he in like in a comic book he just seems like he'd be the perfect batman villain doesn't he i mean like he's so crazy and weird and just out there like you said he's utterly creepy i'm like is he trying to like be the joker is he trying to be 
the Riddler? Is he trying to be Scarecrow? Is he trying to be a little bit of all of them? Just because he, you know, he's a guy, you know, he wears a pig mask. He tries to turn people into like living pigs. I'm like, this is as weird as it gets, like for Batman. But I mean, like, he also seems like the perfect foil for Dick Grayson's Batman, to be quite honest. Yeah, and yeah. I I don't know if you've ever have you ever played Arkham Knight? Oh yes, yeah. Okay, so his side quest of Professor Pig was pretty creepy in that, and then they definitely for the cartoon Beware the Batman, kiddied him up quite a bit. Yeah. He he's got the pig mask, and he's got that accent too, Mister Toad, kind of very Alfred Hitchcock, yeah, uh, influence in speaking, and so I think, and that's how I know that I don't not like the character because I really liked his appearance in that video game. And I, I did like his recurring uh, spots on beware the Batman. So Mm -hmm. the, the character has, he has a, he's effective for sure. But in this story, I'm kind of confused or not confused. So what we see is that he's basically got these new masks that these new faces that Mm -hmm. he's uh, bonding to his victims and then they're becoming his dollatrons and okay i mean i'll go along with it it's a comic book and morrison even said he's like he goes full comic book in this right. uh, but towards the end of the third issue like as uh batman's telling gordon of lazo valentin is a low rent extreme circus boss he becomes pig financing his experiments by selling next generation narcotics to small-time russian gangsters he invented an addictive identity destroying drug in the form of a virus. The gangs were using it to control women. I feel like we missed almost all of that in these three issues though. Mm-hmm. And maybe it comes into play later on in this, in this series. But at that point, it just kind of seemed like this guy dances to music playing out of his pink iPod classic <laughs> with a chainsaw or, and like he's he's pretty messed up in how he's putting new faces on people so that they mm-hmm. all look alike. But that to me was kind of it. I didn't get much except for just basically through dialogue and some like some quick panels. The the ultimate threat, this whole uh, drug uh, virus angle, and he's controlling women and such like that. It's like I don't feel like we really see that in these three issues. Hmm. Yeah, it comes up in a very, like, Batman 66 way. Everything, too, in a sense, like, he kind of just shows up. Right? Like, he's kind of just, like, there, and you're kind of just expected to, like, kind of fill in most of the gaps. Like, it's, yeah, some villains are just creepy. Like, they're just there. Like, they are just who they are. But, like, the whole idea of, like, his plot is just as comic booky as it gets. And, like, I just love that it's, Dick Grayson like really seems to like I've seen it all so it just doesn't really shock me like I've fought people like him before so it's almost like he's not scared but he's scared of the idea of failing Mm -hmm. which is like really present like the whole way through and I think if Grant Morrison does anything like really well in this park line it's the fact that he really does make Professor Pig like menacing it's almost like he's kind of Grayson's version of Scarecrow and the fact that he represents like if I fail, like I fail Gotham, I fail myself, I fail Bruce, I fail, I fail Damien. And it's, it's Professor Pig. I mean, he's somebody that like Batman takes down in his sleep, right? Like he's not, he doesn't seem like a hard villain to take down at all. Right. But I mean, it's 
So and and it's it's different. I mean, for sure. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think how, where else I've seen him, and I know in Tom King's run, wasn't he, he used them too? Uh, probably. I watched the first Pete, Pete, season Pete of that. Favorite show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Pete. Pete, tell me all about Professor Pig on Gotham. <laughs> but Tom King wrote him in the nightmares section of his run, and that wasn't particularly a favorite uh, era of his run of mine. Uh, so I don't know. So. Morrison, I feel like he's Morrison's creation, and he definitely has some something to him. Uh, he's definitely B level, maybe even C level villain. Sure, but I feel like Batman fans know Professor Pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is he somebody that like I would stick into like, like I said, like a live action movie? Probably not. I think he's a little too out there. Yeah, uh, just for my liking, but I mean. Like I said, put him in another comic book. Put him in like modern comics right now. I think he works. Put him in a video game. I think he works. Uh, yeah. But I mean, he does really bring like that sort of new orish vibe to him too. Like that. Yeah. That thing I will say like that's that's why I think he works as a Batman villain. And whether he whether he's a Nightwing villain or a Batman villain or I do think he works. I just think that it's kind of hard to really write him in a way where it's not making him like a rip off on like the Joker or the Scarecrow or Mad Hatter, right? Because, I mean, he is just essentially just a crazy dude, like in a pig mask, just carving people's faces off. I mean, that's something like Joker probably does every now and then. So It's the Joker's way. Yep. But in, in an even smaller fashion here is this uh, another very comic booky character in Mr. Toad. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know what to think about him, and he's definitely just. Um, I l- let's connect these dominoes as well. So he opens the book. Him mm-hmm. and two other guys as they're trying to escape Batman and Robin in the new and improved Batmobile, and they get captured. Toad gets questioned by Batman. He doesn't give up any information. Uh, instead he almost just kind of alludes to if he says anything basically whoever he's working for will take him out so he's not going to say anything right he ends up in gcpd in which then a whole crew of circus people come not the ones from returns batman returns but they come in to try you think to bust him out but instead they kill him Mm. Uh, in a great action-packed scene and he had a brief he had a briefcase originally when he was running from Batman and Robin that was full of dominoes. Mm-hmm. And we find out in the story of like Batman finds the double t- or the double six, so the twelve domino piece. As in, oh, this is alluding to us, this is the first domino to fall, the rest are coming. But he also alludes that dominoes also means bones. It's kind of like to me toad is there for just comic book fun and action sequence he doesn't carry Mm -hmm. a ton of weight i don't think that the overlying threat is there really here uh it's been a while since i've read the remaining issues of this run which i'm going Mm -hmm. to now thanks a lot (laughs) and but just taking it of these three issues there's some setup and things are said but they're just not they're just not present, really. Mm-hmm. I think Toad's part of that. Yeah, he he really is like kind of like that outlandish part 
of yeah. the story. At there least you go. Me. Perfect. Yeah. Outlandish. <laughs> um, just because, like, he's, like you said, he's not really somebody that you take really serious right off the bat. You know that Grayson's going to take him down easily. You know he's going to get interrogated. You know probably something's going to happen to him just because he comes off as very, like, bumbling and, and goofy. And he's like, when my boss gets a hold of you, he's going to kill you. Like, I'm like, yeah, we've, we've heard and seen that one before and i and i also do love that like it really is like the first showcase of grayson's batman like bruce probably would have done things this way whereas i'm gonna bring you in and then that's how we're gonna do things so but i also love that kind of the scene leading up to it ryan is like that nice really cool dialogue between like grayson and damien where it's damien's like challenging grayson just in the batmobile and like Grayson really says like that funny line where he's like, well, you know, I could offer Tim his job back. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't start behaving yourself and then Damon's like, oh, no, okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. You, you, you are the boss. Yes. Yes. Master Grayson. So, uh, and I just love that. Like that really just sets the tone right off of that. And then obviously like tension builds throughout, but I mean, as far as the tow goes, I mean, you might as well just have bought Raphael in or something like that. <laughs> That was really the only turtle that I was interested in seeing, to be honest. My favorite. My favorite turtle. How did I know that? I don't know. <laughs> radical, radical. So anyways, <laughs> uh, let's see. I've touched on those villains that I wanted to. Uh, let's go to a very key ally in this in Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah. The, what do you want to say? The, the old wise one. That he, he, it's like he understands the situation that they're all in. And that's basically that whole second issue is it's almost like it's just the conversation between Dick and Alfred, mm. uh, but jumping in time of, you know, as Dick is t- catching him up on how the evening just went, then that's where we jump back and we see it unfold and back in the, this new cave and such. And I just love Alfred's dialogue and his, mm. men- like his kind of mentor figure here as well Mm -hmm. yeah ryan this is those are like my favorite moments to be quite honest like of the book or when it's grayson and alfred just because we i think we've been seeing more often as of like just how much of like a maternal figure alfred really is like like you said how much of an ally just he is to like team batman i guess like how much he means to them Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I know we we all love and we've all read like when when Grayson was Robin, how much like just the level of respect that like Grayson has for Alfred and like yeah. vice versa. So I love that it's like when Grayson really needs some moral support, Alfred's there for him, and he really tells him that like you can do this because Bruce believes in you. Like I believe in you. Like I always believed that you were meant for greater things. You know, he always, he says like, you know, it's why, it's why I know you're going to succeed at being Batman. It's no, I, why you're, you're going to succeed at helping Damien be the best version of himself because you're the best version of all of us. And that's why I just, I really love just hammering home like those ideas. Cause I mean, like the letter and everything, like, mm-hmm. like Albert's just there. Like he's just the guy. So I, I love it. <laughs> Uh, I got nothing else to add other than like he, he's just great this is totally like the Alfred that us as Batman fans unanimous, unanimously love I know he's he started to transition the past like decade into being one that like kind of a little bit younger and will fight yeah. go and fight he's not just the butler but 
here in this one, it's, I don't know, he, he's like a, a coworker in a sense. He's not giving the orders. He's giving advice. He's not serving them. I mean, I guess he kind of does technically, but he yeah. just feels different than just being the butler. Yes. So whatever you want, must dick mm-hmm. or anything. And I just, I really like how Morrison wrote him here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very animated series by, I would say too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about this issue. What's, you know, the overall like threat. So let's, we don't have to spend too much time on it because I've already kind of gone into it a little bit, but mm-hmm. again, I, I don't, if this is like the critique of this, which I think like flat out, I'll say it like, I really, really like this arc. Um, I really, really like this run, like all 16 issues of Batman and Robin by Grant Morrison. I think of his mm-hmm. Batman stuff, his big magnum opus Batman story, this <laughs> is the, this is the best. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of by far I, in, in, which is really funny to me because Bruce Wayne in this series isn't even in until the very last issue. Yeah. But for these, these three issues, I just don't, I don't feel the massive threat. I feel like we're introducing Dick's Batman, Damien's Robin, and we're going to work on them, but we need to make sure we have something else going on. Mm-hmm. So that's where I feel like the, the, the plot itself is like, is fine. And that's kind of where I leave it of the outside of the Dick and Damien relationship. It's just kind of fine. You just need to have a villain doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's also one of those things too, where, I mean, the story does kind of get like confusing later on in the issues, right? I'm sure you'll be like, especially like when, like, you know, Batman's coming back into the fold, like, mm-hmm it can kind of lose you. Like it did kind of lose me at times too, but that's like, like you said, that's, that's later in issues. That's like after Red Hood and after Joker. I mean, that's like later on, which I don't know if you wanted to touch on that Joker stuff, but that was some pretty great stuff with Joker and Damien. I'm not going to lie, but I mean, just, just in general, I think it is kind of like, you know, Batman's coming. So it's almost like we got to resolve this. We got to make Damien likable. We got to establish Grayson as Batman. Well, we got to not be too attached to both of them because Bruce is coming back. So I think, I think in a way, like, yeah, the, you know, the villains are kind of there to just be villains. But I think never did I ever think that it was going to kind of just be like Damien and Grayson just because they really wanted you to know that Bruce was going to come back at some point. And I know that that was just going to take precedent over anything that they – that they set up anyway. Yeah. So, but yeah. I think I want to save, I want to save talking more about the future issues of this in case somebody uh, wants to come back to the show or come on the show and talk about it. But, um, mm-hmm. hell, what was I going to say? You said Joker. Yeah. And it definitely, the extras in the, in the collected versions of Batman and Robin, Morrison definitely writes that he kind of wanted to give a Joker-like presence throughout this book. And I definitely think in issue two, I believe, when they show up at that amusement park, or maybe it's towards the end of issue one. um, I think it's two. Actually, I don't remember. Ah, But you (laughs) see, it's like at an amusement park, and I instantly feel very, is that the amusement park from the killing joke yeah (laughs) i don't know 
I have no idea because he didn't say that in the he didn't say that in the notes. Oh, the he ghost. Not. That's in the mm-hmm. first issue, Ghost Train. Yep. But he does allude to the covers, which we can talk about the covers here in a second. Sure. And how that cover for issue three is almost like an it's influenced by that iconic image of the Joker and the Killing Joke when he becomes the Joker. Mm-hmm. And I don't really see it, but I kind of do. And it's kind of funny because he says in the back that this was commissioned as part of DC's weird cover month. Parenthesis, as far as I'm aware, there were no other weird covers that month, leading us to suspect some elaborate practical jokes. So Frank took the opportunity to create this Dollatron's eye view of the conflict, the whirling vortex that spirals towards the tiny battling figures of Batman and Robin creates a sense of lurching, unstoppable motion. Combined with the purple and lime green logo, the result is purest necrodelia. Yeah, necrodelia. Uh, but he talks a little bit like more of, yes, it, the, it's, these 16 issues are supposed to feel like they're haunted by the Joker. Yeah. We didn't know this at the time. Nothing was ever alluded to, alluded to about the Joker until he makes his surprising presence later mm-hmm. on, which to me was a shocker and maybe we'll get there one day. But I just didn't know if you can remember, since you read it a year ago, uh, were you getting any kind of Joker vibes before he was revealed? So in a sense, I kind of assumed that we would see Joker just because it was a little too on the nose that like, like obviously like there's tons of smiling, there's like, really weird stuff going on. I had anticipated that maybe they would do Joker just because he's such like, he's such a no brainer yeah. to do like, like if Grayson's going to be Batman, it's such a no brainer to throw Joker at him just in general. Now in terms of the twist and how we see him, that was a little jokery to me, like in the sense that that's a good twist. Like I didn't actually see that one coming and I actually thought that it was kind of really cool. In a sense, like when he does kind of reveal himself and kind of really orchestrates all these things to fall in place. And then when everything really does actually go on the way that he like expects it to go, it's actually really like scary. And like, I know you don't want to dive too into it, but like I already mentioned it, like just there's a, there's like some panels in this book where it's just Joker and Damien like in a cell together. And it's, the most thrilling stuff that like what some of the most thrilling stuff I've ever read just because of like the dialogue that's going on and just as we've never really seen Damien and Joker interact so just the thought of them two mm-hmm. interacting like Damien being like as impulsive as he is and Joker being just like as manipulating as he is like just put those two in a room together it's like who knows what could happen right like so uh, but yeah I think Joker's presence is kind of felt Mm-hmm. throughout this book absolutely and not to mention i think the what i can always say is the highlight of batman r.i.p was the joker i thought that morrison nailed a really cool version of the joker in a very creepy and very threatening joker in that story so i was really glad to have him come back up in this one uh, let's talk about some art mr frank quietly which you had mentioned uh-huh. uh you saw his work in All-Star Superman, which actually came out two years Sunday. after Batman and Robin uh, started. Mm-hmm. So this was my introduction to, to him. And mm-hmm. my first real image of, 
ever of seeing him was the cover issue number one of this this title and i'm like i i really like these designs of <laughs> damien and dick in in the suit and i like this robin suit too and i was yeah. just it was a really cool a really cool image and as like the tease of like the the thing that's coming and then as we just get into the story and the action beats and everything quietly to me is uh, he's up there because yeah. of this run and then when he pops up in other uh I think he popped up in some of Batman Incorporated, maybe. He's popped mm-hmm. in. He does a lot of, of variant covers and such, too. And I think he's got a style now that it's easy to point out, like, ooh, that's Frank Quietly. Ooh, I like mm-hmm. that. And pretty much it's always, at worst, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the way that, like, he drew Damien, just in general, because, like, he does feel Damien to me. And then I also really love the way that he drew, he draws Grayson in here, because, like, he does really feel like he's a veteran kind of guy and like I love the way like the bats who looks on him because I always anticipated Bruce probably has the oval so Grayson probably just has like the regular bat emblem just because he's a different Batman uh, and I think it makes sense too like you know the ears are longer so it's it's right off the bat it's a different kind of style and I just I think that it, it totally like fits the tone there's, there's parts where it's really light and then there's parts where it's really dark and then there's like just with that awesome cover where it's uh, Damien and Grayson like standing in front of the Batmobile with like their hands kind of tucked in a little bit and they're like, yeah, when we drop in that photo album because you know it just it kind of really just sets the stage in a way, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think <clears throat> I think something that's that helps stand out with his art is the it's detailed. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not as detailed as Jim Lee. I think if you want to say like very detailed art, you will obviously go to Jim Lee and some others, but I think Jim Lee is the detailed comic book artist to me. But it's still, oh, yeah. it's it's not cluttered. Like everything seems spaced out, if that makes sense. Of the action and what's going on is always very clear. I think in every single page, uh, mm-hmm. you just you can understand what's going on in the story and. I don't remember if some comic book, I don't know if it was an author or artist that had said, you know, a way that they want a comic to be done is without dialogue, you can understand what's happening. Right. And I think that really applies to Frank Quitely's art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of really also love that. It's like, you can, you can just tell like he really wanted this to be different in a sense too. So it's, it's uh. It's just, I kind of forgot what I was going to say, but it's just, uh, <laughs> wow. See, look at that. I am human after all. All you got to um, do is just stop and be like, man, I just love Batman. Batman's so awesome. And I'm I like, yeah, love, you're I damn right. Batman. I love Batman too, Zednik, man. You should come on every week. Let's talk about Batman because yeah. I love Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's what I say. And then, like, I also love that. Now, I, obviously, I wouldn't put this book in, like, the ranks of, like, the killing joke or something yeah. like that. Like, that's. That's pretty gritty and violent, I would say. But, I mean, this book kind of really does have its fair share of moments. I think you might agree, Ryan. Just because, you know, there is, like, there is some grittiness in this book. There is, like, some blood after all. Because, I mean, yeah. you're not, you're not going to have a character like Professor Pig and not kind of shed some, some blood, I guess, in a sense. Or not make it a little graphic. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it is a book that I still think, like... It's a PG-13 book. It's a PG-13 book. I mean, obviously, like, I probably don't recommend anybody 
like younger than 14 maybe check this out but elementary schools kindergarten yeah. get kids to read this <laughs> That's how at least the first few issues i think is okay yeah <laughs> so i something that really stuck out to me that i love is frank quietly's covers and yeah. if anything i'm really glad that that that's kind of like a big focus in these extras. And although it's funny that it's, um, we get some sketches from Quietly, but it's Morrison who's taken us through. He reminds me of like, definitely of a position on a comic like Alan Moore. And he kind of has the reins. Like he's, even when it comes to the covers, he's like making suggestions of covers and influences and such. And I think he's kind of funny. And if you followed Batman R.I.P., and other parts of Morrison's run, you can see that he's definitely dipping into uh, old lore of Batman, those 50s comics and 60s and such. And he'd said that he wanted to dip into that again for the Batman and Robin title. And for this first cover, it's funny because he said that market research showed that yellow covered comics like sold the least. So Mm. he said, well, let's make our cover yellow. And like he did, I don't know why. And then he's like, and then that ended up becoming like the best-selling comic book or something like that too, yeah. uh, of the year or month or something like that. And uh, I just find that kind of funny. But what really got me is that is issue number two that cover, mm-hmm. because I mean, you definitely think of Batman and the Mad in the Mad Monk and the old detective comic story of number thirty-one, where he is like a massive Batman who's like over a castle and there is that. Yeah. Like a very Bob Kane vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the Batman 227 where it's like an updated version of that. And then you also have the uh, Batman and the mad monk that Matt Wagner did. And I just here in this, it's got a Batman overlooking uh, the city that has, you know, there's that, that domino in somebody's hand and you don't exactly know what it means, but it is kind of hinting at what's going on. I just think like that cover is badass Mm -hmm. yeah i i definitely think that it's it's so cool to kind of really modernize some of our favorite kind of like inspirations too in a way too like i totally agree with that you definitely feel like that detective inspiration that bob kane kind of feel to it and it's yeah grayson's batman instead of like batman batman uh i just think that it's a cool modern spin on it too and there's just so many cool covers like even like just the like the design of like batman and robin like it's Mm -hmm. It's, it's why simple. I, yeah, I really love the absolute edition because, like, there's so many of, like, just the layouts, right? I'm sure you kind of went through it where it's, you think of so many things, like, uh, be like Batman waving the bold or something like that, like the Batman. Like, it, it kind of has, like, that cartoon vibe to it, but it's also a new twist on things, too. And I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about, but I think my favorite probably cover, I'm not sure if you were going to ask me this, but. <laughs> Go for um, it. Issue ten, I believe. If my oh, well, you're skipping. You're jumping away in the future. What are you doing here? I know, I know. But issue ten is so cool because it's like it has like, it's Grayson's Batman on the ground looking for clues, and then you have the little bat himself drawing a sword, and that just sets the tone for what you think the story is gonna be or what kind of the story lingering around in the background is. So that's what that's what I really enjoyed seeing out of that cover. Well, I'm not going to talk about future covers. I'm going to stick to these. <laughs> but, yeah, but it does but relate I, because I do Quietly, really love the first one. Yeah. I think Quietly did do all of the covers for, um, for Batman and Robin, though. Yes. I'm pretty sure. So mm-hmm. I say I'm pretty sure. I looked this up. I see I'm getting. 
34 and I'm losing it. I looked at all this like yesterday and I'm like, wait, he did, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that's a good segue into some favorites. <laughs> Mr. Zednik, what is your favorite part of this three issue arc? This three issue arc. <laughs> this part, Batman Reborn. <laughs> I won't skip to <laughs> Well, actually, you know, in uh, issue number twelve, I really well, love it when. No, that's not. Well, actually, why? You know, when uh, when when Batman comes back at the fold, you know. <laughs> um, Detective would... Comics number six ninety two. Yeah. Really like... <laughs> um. So it's really a tie just between the panels where Alfred and Grayson are talking, and then just that first scene of like Grayson and Damien in the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Just because I think I think the dialogue between them is cool. I think it sets the tone just for the book in general. I think it's so cool just because, like, you get that camaraderie and then you get, like, that kind of mutual respect right off the bat. You, 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 it still feels Damien to you, to you in a way. And then, obviously, like, just the stuff with Alfred. I mean, you can't go wrong just with that being, like, the emotional kind of beat of the book just because it's, it's almost – it's funny to think, like, if Alfred's not in the book, does that really change, like, the first three issues? Grayson doesn't have Alpha to kind of pick him up mm-hmm. and kind of really like help him out. I mean, I don't know if you felt that same way, Ryan. I guess I didn't necessarily think about it, but you take Alfred out of this book and that's a massive, that's a massive hole to remove from this book. He definitely mm-hmm. helps push the story along and really get over some humps for like thematically and for the relationship between Dick and Damien and such. I think for my favorite part too is, is in that second issue and it's, and I know it's broken up, but yeah, it's the the Alfred and Dick conversation because mm-hmm. I just think a lot's revealed there, and that's a that's a really progressive conversation to get those two where they need to be. Uh, and it couldn't be done. Couldn't I? Don't think it could have been done really without Alfred there to to guide some of this. So yeah. I really, I really, really like that part. How about your favorite panel? Oh wow. Um... I would say just probably the stuff with Grayson and Alfred, just to be honest. Um, I just, I just think it's great. I just think it's great. Mm-hmm. That opening page of issue number two of Dick in suit on the steps and Alfred behind him. That's, that's my oh, very mask of the phantasm. Very mask of the phantasm. It's, <laughs> it's very, very good. And it just sets the stage for basically that whole, you know, that whole, that whole issue. And it's mm-hmm. what both you and I just keep coming back to of, dick and alfred that's yeah the highlight for us so that's mine Mm -hmm. would you like to see this arc adapted in animation somehow i actually would (gasps) i know i know but i also think that you know dc animation for the most part really does tend i think for the most part knocks it out of the park and the way that they do that is they got to dig kind of deep in a sense too so like more often than not, you know, if we can make something like a Superman Red Sun work, why can't we make a story that has Dick Grayson as Batman and Damien as Robin? Just because Damien's already been in a few movies, I think. So I think if you just put Grayson as Batman, I think it works too in a way. And I think there's a story around there as well that I think people did. Because I know people really like Grayson as Batman too. Maybe not a lot of people know that Grayson's been Batman too so I think it's a way also for DC animation to kind of switch it up in a way too right Mm -hmm. I mean I know that they did with Batman Bad Blood they dipped into 
Yeah, Dick Grayson under the cowl and such. But and we've seen Damien in animation. We've seen Dick fight Damien in animation. But as far as like with this story, I think you need to. This would be the first episode of like ten episodes, or sure. the first chapter of like the the first movie of a three part movie or something like that. I don't think you could just do this story and that is it. It's got to be the kickoff for a longer story to tell all of them because otherwise this, I don't think just this three, these three issues by themselves make put this book as high as I put this book. It's like, no, collectively the entire 16 issue run is what elevates it to uh, upper status for me. But I would like to see that. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I'd take it. Um, I would, I wouldn't want this to be something of like, we don't get any Batman in animation yeah for like five years except this because i feel like okay i want bruce back i want bruce back but right. in, a, in a shorter span of like in a year or two something like that yeah i'd be i'd be down for it that'd be great yeah i i know like i guess like you just brought up i know bad blood i guess technically mm. might have already done it <laughs> but i mean yeah I story's st- different yeah i still think like there, there's ways to kind of like switch it up a little bit i mean there's most oftentimes they're not you know they don't ever really do hard adaptations because it's just hard to do that yeah so i think to just put like a story around them too like you kind of just said like maybe they're only a half hour into the story because i mean those movies are really like not even 90 minutes anyway so i think i think it's a story that you can easily kind of kind of have lingering around absolutely for sure uh, we've hit on just about everything. Um, what, Mr. Zeddy? Do you? Do, what are your final thoughts on Batman and Robin, Batman Reborn? My final thoughts are: This is a book that, at first, I might have thought that I didn't think I was going to enjoy, just because I didn't like Damien. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, I wasn't too ing- ingrained in the in the comics at a certain point, so I was, of course, scared that oh, man, am I going to understand this? Am I going to know what's happening? Because, you know, a lot of what really scares people, I think, in a jumping in now is they're afraid of going into too much backlog. So I love that this was kind of a book that I didn't know need, I didn't need, need to know too much. I just needed to know, like, why Bruce isn't in the fold, and I was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, somebody that, like, loves Black Mirror, that like some of battle for the car i know that's a little that's a bloated story um but to see like grayson's batman just kind of doing his thing he's a little more lean he's kind of trying to honor batman's legacy but he's not trying to be batman uh i just i love it because batman's always even said and i think even alfred said it in the book that grayson's the ideal version of gotham Hmm. and who batman kind of thinks would be the ideal version of a hero in Gotham. So I love that for half of it, Grayson actually got to prove Batman right because there's parts like when the real Batman comes back, it's almost like they actually prefer Grayson as Batman, which is kind of ironic. So, but uh, not to kind of get off this tangent, I think it's a, it's a great story. I think it kind of, it makes you like Damien, which is great. Uh, and, and I think it adds a new spin on, like, just what the symbol of Batman means, just in general. Absolutely. I think the significance of the story is that it did produce a great dynamic between Dick and Damien, in which it's still still playing out in comics today. In, com- in Tom King's Batman run, 
Um, I think specifically of the rules of engagement arc of there's some interplay between Dick and Damien. They just kind of just understand each other now and they get each other now. And that's, that's the strongest relationship that Damien's included in, I think of anything that I've read with him in. And I, I usually don't like Damien. Uh, he, and the, Paul Dini did some good stuff with him in the streets of Gotham series. Uh, but outside of that, I'm just not a Damien guy, but this book, yeah. this run is Morrison zoned in on something really good here between those two. And, uh, introduced some fun comic book stuff for us along the way. Uh, it really grew this as a really good team of this version of Batman and Robin. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a highly recommended from my part. Uh, I think you could possibly go in blind and read it when the, when it goes down the, the road a little bit for an understanding, you just have to do some research, but I think mm-hmm. for the most part, you can, hop into this one too if anybody hasn't read it and it's already to this part of the episode and we spoiled everything and you haven't read it yet <laughs> go for it so yeah. um yeah there you go mr zednik uh you have completed your first appearance yeah oh, I made I, it. you made it you made it to the finish line congratulations <laughs> uh before we sign off would you like to plug some stuff oh i'm everywhere ryan are you sure you want to do that i'm just kidding <laughs> you've got 30 seconds go Oh, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> uh, Ryan, I mean, first off, you know, since just sincerely, like, thank you just so much for having me on. I mean, I guess to finally, I guess, really tell that story that I did in the beginning, I think you'll really love this because I was somebody that, like, when I was, like, really, really little, like, my mom would take me to, like, Dominic's and, like, Jewel, and I know you're a Chicagoan, so you know exactly where I might be going with this. Uh, there was, like, these little, like, spinner acts that would just be in, like, these grocery stores, and if I was lucky, which I was very lucky most of the time, my mom would just pick out like these random just issues of like Batman comics. And a lot of these are really like obscure kind of lower, lower tier stories that uh, I hope maybe might actually get covered on this show. I think that would be really cool. Uh, but I mean, I'm talking like maybe like a fugitive or like a murderer. I mean, not, not like lower, lower tier, but like, you know, not like top tier mm-hmm. stories. So when I was reading in them, you know, and it's crazy, like, as I got older, it's like, man, I really haven't read Batman comics as much as, like, I read all the ones that, like, my mom would buy me. So kind of listening to this show and, like, discovering, like, Year One, Dark Knight Returns, Long Halloween, kind of ho- no, no Hope in Crime Alley, like, it's Penguin Affair. I mean, it's really all coming, like, full circle with me because I, I envision myself as, like, a big Batman fan, but to, to know that there's so many stories out there and to know that there's a guy like yourself that's talking about these stories and really bringing them out there for people to discover, I just think is beautiful because you've honestly made, and I'm not just saying this because I'm, <laughs> I'm on your show. I mean, you really have made me like a bigger Batman comics fan. So truly, like, I, I just, I thank you for the fact that this show exists and I, and I truly thank you for bringing these obscure titles and bringing the main ones out. But uh, Ryan, where everybody can find me um, is I'm on Twitter at Papazine underscore 95. You can please follow my uh, podcast that I co-host with uh, Nico Crusoe and, and Daddy Batman, his father, Nicholas Crusoe Jr. I know you love those guys. Uh, that's Vigilante1939 on Twitter. Uh, we're everywhere. And obviously all my reviews, film and TV are on. Let's go podcast.com. Uh, so, Ryan, thank you so much for having me on. 
absolutely. You give me way too much credit. It's these wonderful guests that sometimes bring those out out uh, out there choices, such as Mr. Justin Kowalski. It's his mission that one day he wants us to talk digital justice. We'll see about that. Um, anyways, you can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for upcoming episodes, new episode drops, and sometimes even some giveaways. Gotta wait until next year for the next uh, Batman bracket, though. Hang in there. It'll come before we know it. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Lauer, spelled like lower. You can check out all my write-ups and postings on BatmanOnFilm.com, where I do reviews and interviews and such. Uh, Just go to BatmanOnFilm.com, and you will find the link to me there to check those out. Also, you can write into the Batman Book Club for questions or comments, concerns, go to Eric Holzman at thebatmanbc at gmail.com. You can also now support the show if you would ever be so kind. We now have merchandise on TeePublic. A link to that is in the Twitter the Twitter profile. Uh, go there and give it a look if you want to support that way. But you can also support the show free. That's right. All it costs is 30 seconds of your time. If you can just go to the Apple Podcasts page of the Batman Book Club, rate and review it. Uh, the more reviews we get, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, that word is panic. So for Mr. Zednik, I'm Ryan Lauer. And until next time, read more Batman comics. Batman comics.